Welcome to Financial Discretion Advised. I'm Abram Berkemeyer. I'm Tyler Hafford. Let's cue the music. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Financial Discretion Advised. Uh, anyone watching us on YouTube, you can tell that I am not in the office with AB. I am working out of the home office. Uh, Abram is down in the Portland office. It's been a little while since I've seen you, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's good to see you too. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Yeah, yeah, we got big PFA Palooza uh, where the company sends us away, a little retreat, lets us uh, de-stress and and hang out a little bit. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Little, uh, I've got some team building activities planned for us as I do every year, and uh, always fun, always fun for me because I don't tell anybody what we're doing. But uh, <laughs> we're also going to be planning our Palooza podcast like we aired last year. That was our second yeah. episode ever. This will be coming up right around our one-year mark, actually, once we get this one planned out. We started in September last year, so we're, we're getting old, Tyler. We're growing up. Yeah, we are getting old. It's, uh, it's shocking they let us do this for a year. Uh, and going to be a year plus. Um, I don't right know what kind of have gotten better replacements since we started going on YouTube. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so let's uh, hope, hope that continues. Yeah, so, uh, it's probably our antics. And let's jump into some antics here. Um, before we get into today's topic, which is we're going to be going running through some headlines for everybody, kind of what's in the news, how it relates to finance and personal finance. Yeah. But we need to start out with today's hot topic debate, which is what color are these flip flops? So everybody going watching on YouTube, or if you're listening to a podcast, go check out our YouTube page so you can see my little screen share here. This is very reminiscent of the golden white, black or blue dress debate, whatever year that was. It was a terrible year. It was a terrible debate. Yeah. Um, but these are clearly golden white. So, so yeah, so we, uh, I let Abram kind of tell you what he thinks it is. I'll tell you what the right answer is here. These are like a goldish tan on the outside, and that is a beautiful light blue. Uh, on the inside. I would like everyone listening to this to hop on YouTube in the comments and agree with me uh, so we can tell AB that there is no way these are, are golden white flip-flops. You know, they're definitely golden white. I know the golden white population out there is going to outnumber you with this tan and blue, <laughs> black and blue nonsense that you got going on. So uh, yeah, leave your comments. Let us know what colors you see and also even also, if you see tan and blue just say you see gold and white so tyler loses also in the comments if anyone knows where i can buy these for abron uh please leave a link uh so i can send him a gift oh, everybody so. knows i look good in in gold and white so all right let's move on all right to something important yeah some real headlines something that uh you know is not gonna aggravate everybody at the dinner table um inflation big one obviously uh kind of kind of relate that to just one area that's been popping up with a lot of you know kind of client conversations and just kind of household conversations obviously inflation's yeah. been on the rise uh, a lot of different areas airlines energy i think one of the one of the big big ones is and interesting topics is used cars i know yeah yeah so just to jump on inflation just a little bit right we've been talking about this with clients for a little while and and some concerns that you know, we've obviously done a ton of spending in this country, printing a lot of new money, putting out in circulation. There's a lot of thoughts around 
Is this uh, kind of a short-term thing? Is this a long-term thing? Right now, the Fed seems to think it's a short-term thing. Um, right there, their tool against fighting inflation is raising rates, and they said they're going to hold off and, and see how things go before they do that. Um, but you are probably starting to see pockets of it. Grocery stores are a really good example. If you're anything like me, you go spend 150, 200 bucks, you get home, there's nothing to eat. Um, but it's starting to make its way into other things, and used cars is one of those. There's also a little bit of a slide to supply and demand piece going on there. Um, you know, there's a the chip shortage, which you've probably heard about in the news, which is limiting production of new uh, vehicles, which is leaving lots fairly uh, empty. And a lot of people are turning and buying used cars at the moment. And in doing that is reducing that inventory. And there's a couple of things going on there. There's, um, you know, a lot of rental vehicle um, companies who usually get rid of um, used cars are holding on to them because they sold a lot through the pandemic to, to, to try to survive. So they're not kind of replenishing that that market. And what we're seeing for the first time, and I don't know if this is in history, Abram, but um, used cars are actually appreciating in value. And some late model uh, vehicles are actually costing more than if you went out and bought the new one, if you can find the new one. Uh, pretty interesting phenomenon. But, you know, like you said, inflation starting to hit some pretty important things in, the, in our lives. Housing is way up. Uh, cars is way up. Food is way up. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting kind of situation there with, with used cars. Yeah, definitely. And like folks coming to the end of their leases and, you know, they got like the buyout option at the end of the lease and they're looking at the Kelly Blue Book value of their their car. And, you know, the buyout option is look, can be looking pretty attractive these days since, uh, since the price of used cars is, is pretty much through the roof at this point. It's one of the one of the highest uh, one of the highest. Kind of bump up of area, yeah, areas of inflation and in, within the overall. Uh, I think they're up, uh, you know, like thirty percent over kind of regular pricing around used cars, and it's interesting. I know my wife and I normally we we do buy used cars. Just the financial advisor and me goes kind of late model, right? Yeah, you, like you say, yeah. you buy a new car and you you lose a couple of grand right off the lot. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, cars generally, you you know, you don't you don't see that dramatic decrease in in depreciation the second you drive it off the lot so yeah um and we had purchased her car right in march right before kind of everything went down uh with kind of everything shutting down and uh i looked it up on kelly blue book the other day and it's actually worth more than we paid for it uh a year ago and normally when you buy a car right that's a depreciating asset that's nothing you expect to check in and, and see it worth more than you paid so it's Mm -hmm. Crazy times, AB. Crazy time. Crazy times. Definitely. And I think, you know, kind of going back to us dumping a bunch of money into the economy, that also has probably played a role as well. You know, you, you send folks stimulus checks and now they've got some more money that they have for down payments. So maybe they were maybe they have a used car already that they're want to trade in for another used car with lower miles and you know make that make that investment for their, you know, the next couple of years and yep. make that switch. So, you know, having that extra cash on hand is one way that you know, can make it more attractive for somebody to say, hey, you know, my car's getting higher up there in mileage. Right now might be a good time for me to trade it in since I got a little extra cash that I can put on a down payment towards something that's going to have lower miles and be a little bit more expensive. Yep. Um, yeah. And, that, you know, I hear different things that maybe, maybe in a few months, we might see this come backwards. I saw on the other day that 
prices are coming down just a little bit. Um, I've heard other analysts kind of saying until the chip shortage sorts itself out, we're going to see something like uh, this in the used cars market for a little while, maybe into 2022, um, maybe even further. Um, but, you know, as there's the inflationary pressures that are going on. But additionally, if we don't fix the supply and demand piece of it, uh, that's also going to inflate the prices for you, right? Vehicles, which there is a, a healthy appetite in this country for vehicles, um, but the supply is down, or at least supply in attractive use vehicles. And, you know, they're not pumping out new ones. I think I saw GM is halting production of, of some vehicles right now because of the chip shortage. As long as that's in play, um, I think we're going to see higher prices. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, all the new technology in vehicles these days. Oh, boy. I'm just going to steal your Jeep. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking it in for its its first checkup, so. <laughs> like a proud daddy. Really, really. I mean, I'm just really hoping I haven't beat the crap out of it too much yet. <laughs> all right. Headline number two. We had an IPO very recently. It was... Pretty household name these days, Robinhood. So anybody- For anyone listening, uh, before I let AB jump any further, IPO, initial public offering, it's when a company goes public um, and starts selling shares to, to folks in the market. Yeah, yeah, you kind of get this progression where, you know, you got this small business, starts to take off, you get more capital, grows and grows and grows, you get new investors and it's, you know, privately held company. Um, then eventually some companies decide to go public and that's another way that they can raise capital and they sell their shares to anyone instead of just private investors. Um, so they had their in initial public offering, they IPO'd, um, you know, first day kind of had some kind of a bit of a rocky start, pretty typical yeah. story for IPOs. You know, they kind of, they said they do a bunch of analysis, set a price, and then the market's going to decide, you know, is that price worth it or is that price too high? And generally you get a lot of volatility uh, because of that. And, and that's where, uh, you know, Robinhood first day kind of had a rocky start, uh, but they've absolutely blown out <laughs> where they started at so far in yeah. just the first couple of days. Um, but, you know, who's going to know if this is a good long-term investment or not? Uh, for those unfamiliar with Robinhood, they were they're that commission-free trading app that a lot of folks use on on their phones, and it's kind of like this thing for the for the general public uh, to get people into trading. Obviously, one of the things in the historically that's been a barrier for folks to trade has been you know high trading costs and ticket charges uh, when you're trying to buy a stock or a, or a fund. Um, Robinhood kind of their whole their whole niche was eliminating that barrier for kind of your everyday casual investor um, yeah. or trader. Yeah. So obviously we don't uh, endorse stocks and we're not saying that, uh, you know, Robinhood's great or not, but I think what Robinhood is doing is really unique and important. So if we think about the history of people being able to buy stocks in this country, it first kind of started at least, in recent history was you had to call a broker. You had to call someone who would look at the exchange, give you some quotes, you'd buy it through them. They'd make a nice commission off of you. If you want to sell it, you had to do it the same way. And that's the way it went for a little while. And then things like E-Trade and Vanguard and all these different platforms started hitting the internet, allowing people to start to try and do it themselves where they could go on and buy stocks. There's still commissions and things like that associated with it, but you could go and you could do it. 
what Robinhood has done has really taken this and said, all right, if you want to do this yourself, we're going to give you that one of the easiest ways to do it. You do it on your phone. You don't pay a commission. You can buy and sell any stock out there right on the, on the stock exchange. And, you know, whether Robinhood is the, the best company for it or not, what I think it's done is push that kind of democrat, democrat, democratization, democratization of investing uh, to, to everyday folks. And I think that one, I think it's a good thing. It allows people to get out there and explore this. I also think with that comes a lot of responsibility. And I think what we saw with the GameStop trades and the Wall Street bets and the Reddit boards and those types of things, you really need to understand what you're doing or at least do the research so you know what you're doing to make sure you're not kind of putting yourself in dangerous situations because that access is giving you the opportunity to do that. But with that opportunity, I think comes a lot of responsibility for folks. So it's gonna be interesting what happens with it, but I think it was a progression of investing uh, for, for people in this country and around the world. Yeah. That was one of the biggest criticisms that I read around the whole GameStop time was, you know, since they went to this commission free trading, are you, are you essentially turning investing into gambling? You know, I mean, are, are, are people already make the comparisons prior to, to the commission free setting that, you know, people say investing is gambling. Um, but did you just even turn it, did you just hyper accelerate that and allow people to go in there and day trade? Maybe they have no experience. Maybe they lose a bunch of money, you know, whatever it is. Did you just, you know, hyper activate that, that kind of subsector of people that are out there that don't, that are willing to go out there and, and take those risks. And you know, maybe they, maybe they know something and make some money. Maybe they yeah. don't. But I also think, um, and, and I think that's, Right. I mean, in my experience, and Abram, you can kind of talk to it too. When I talk to people who have a Robinhood account, it is always, almost always described to me as their play money, um, money that they're setting aside to, to, to kind of just to play around in the market in. Rarely do I run into someone who has a full-blown portfolio built out in Robinhood and ready to go. But uh, So I do think it has kind of activated that a little bit, or at least given people an outlet to, to gamble a bit in there. What right. I also think it's done is push other platforms into the no commission on stocks and ETFs and things like that to compete. And that's where I start to see, you know, someone may have a, a Vanguard account where they've built out a portfolio of stocks and ETFs and they're not paying any commissions on anything. So it's interesting. Right. It's definitely been, that would definitely be in a the, the pro column of, of what's yeah. been happening with, with uh, you know, Robinhood. All right. Should I move on to number three headline? This one's actually just came out this morning, so it's only about an hour or two old, um, but something that we can definitely talk about with the broader economy. It's a new jobs report, ADP uh, put out the private sector jobs report. You know, they were expecting about 653,000 in new jobs. This jobs report came back lower, so the private sector only added 330,000 new jobs. Ooh. Um, yeah, something jobs reports have been very mixed this year. This kind of just goes to that notion as well, uh, which is a little bit crazy since you see everywhere you go, help wanted, especially here in Maine. If you try to go out to eat on a Monday, you probably found that it's almost impossible. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's there's sad. obviously a lot of expectations that economists have as things reopen. And obviously that's where they, you know, they, 
kind of pinpoint these numbers uh, as their estimates for how many jobs should be added, you know, whether or not we actually hit those or above or below them, um, you know, who, who necessarily really cares <laughs> what the, what yeah. the estimate is. Um, but, you know, it is a, it is some one way that we benchmark and, and try to track how well we're doing as an economy. Um, you know, each, you know, you could have a different economist come up with a different estimate, but, you know, whether or not we're coming in with high numbers or low numbers um, yeah. can really definitely impact markets because it is a, one of the big measurements of how well the economy is doing. So obviously not adding that many jobs uh, in July uh, is, is worrisome, especially where we have, you know, so many jobs available in the United States. So, yeah, really interesting that we have so many, uh, so many openings. Like, it literally can't walk down the street without seeing a help wanted sign. I think I went to a Fourth of July parade with my with my kids, and there was companies within the parade kind of advertising, "Hey, we're we're hiring." Uh, so it's interesting to see that the job reports are missing uh, by that much. That's that's substantial. But I think it goes back to that broader idea that I really don't know if we're gonna understand the true effect of COVID on the economy until the stimulus money washes out of the system, until these kind of benefits that have been extended out to folks, until that stuff works its way out and we see where we're standing. Um, I think this is one of those kind of cause and effects, right? There was a lot of uh, support out there for folks who had lost their job, couldn't go to work throughout the pandemic, which seemed to extend out further then the economy is shutting down. And I think some of this is the ramifications of that, right? We're starting to feel a little bit of what that, um, that looks like. And, and, and when that ends, I think we'll have a real good understanding of where we stand. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, interesting. yeah, I think a lot of it will come out um, towards the end of this year, actually just higher unemployment benefits are ending next month. So, you know, that, that could be a time where, you know, that's gonna be less incentive uh, to, to get that check more incentive to go out and find a job. The other really interesting part about these jobs, the low added number of jobs is the fact that all these companies that are competing for jobs are driving up wages. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you see, you see a lot of jobs these days, you know, hiring this, this rate up to, you know, this amount of money and yeah. uh, really trying to incentivize people to return to their job, return to jobs and, and, you know, fill those positions. You know, as a, you know, I look at that, some would consider that's a win for for workers in the country, right? They get higher wages, or they're offering more benefits. What it's doing is is adding some stress to those companies, right? Because now they have to put out uh, more and more to attract uh, right our work for them. So this, this double edged sword there, right? Uh, well, one of the edges on that double edged sword that I would say would also be the effect on inflation, right? So um, you know, if if you're going to have to pay folks more then that might drive up your costs you know if you're if you're a pizza shop and you have yeah. to pay your workers now a couple extra dollars an hour you were going to pass that on to the consumer by increasing your the cost of your product your delicious right. pizzas and so maybe you were buying a 16 inch pizza for 14 bucks and now you're paying 18 dollars for that 16 inch pizza because they need to pay higher to attract the labor um, right. so that's one that's a cycle that can obviously add to inflation um, and that was also, one of the one of the interesting things about inflation is that even though, you know, if we have prolonged periods of high inflation, even though we have increased uh, wages, just given the the given the job market at the moment and, and all the competition to hire people, even with increased wages, you could actually make more on a dollar basis and still have a lower wage than before right. if inflation is outpacing 
that. So if you, you know, if you, even if you're making an extra couple dollars an hour, if you have to go out and spend all that money because inflation is driving up your more costs, your real the real amount of money that you're bringing in is is lower because you have to your fixed costs of your living expenses have gone up. So right. So if you know there's an increase on wages of ten percent, but housing's up thirty percent, cars are up thirty percent, food's up forty percent. Uh, that ten percent doesn't doesn't really fix the problem there, right? You didn't, right. You, didn't, you got, a, you got a, a monetary raise, but the purchasing power is not up. So, right. um, yeah, yeah, really interesting to see what's going to happen with that. Like, and like we said at the beginning of this, um, be really interesting if this is a short term thing that we deal with or a long term thing. I know there's there's people on both sides of that uh, argument. Um, obviously the fed thinks that this is going to be a short term kind of hurdle for us and they're not rushing to, to make big sweeping changes to try to fight it. Well, they um, never rush to make big sweeping changes yeah. there. <laughs> I also think there's a, still a little bit of, of nervousness around the economy, um, and, and not wanting to raise rates too quickly. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that too, but interesting. But yeah, we'll keep watching those jobs reports. Um, obviously, well, it'll interesting. Be interesting to see what happens yeah. at the end of the year once a lot of the, the benefits, unemployment benefits run out. There. And just, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's a correlation to this or not, but the market does watch a lot of these reports. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like the market's uh, starting the day down, um, whether that's tied to the jobs report or not. But it's interesting to watch these. If, you, if you're someone who kind of tunes into to CNBC or Bloomberg or something like that, um, seeing those reports come out, they usually come out right before the market opens. And then interesting to see how the market responds to those. Um, all short-term noise, but it, but it is interesting to see what people are thinking yeah. uh, and how that's going to affect things. Certainly. All right. Last headline today. Uh, somewhat something of a fun cool. one. Something cool. So Bezos hit space. He's not the, yeah. not the first billionaire to do it, but, uh, you know, he took a shot and he made it. It's like the second billionaire in like less than 30 days who's uh, venturing yeah. up the right thing. second or third, I can't remember. I know that. Uh, I know Branson did it, but yep. I forget if there's some other kind of like lesser known name. Obviously, Bezos is a household name these days with Amazon, but yeah. Anyways. Yeah, it's like we're, uh, we're right on our way to commercializing space travel, uh, or at least going up to up into space, which for one, uh, just for me, I, I've always kind of been a space nut. It's, I think it's really cool. Um, whether I'll have that opportunity in my lifetime, I don't know. But it seems like we're getting real, real close to that. Right. I mean, this, is, this has to be the first step. Somebody has to do it. You know, it, you don't get to commercialize space travel without anybody doing it first. So uh, yeah. I think the really interesting parts about this for me, obviously, you know, there's the whole political debate of, you know, this, this rich guy spending all his money to do this thing. Uh, but on the practical side of things, you know, they did create a rocket that you can send into space, bring it back down to Earth and reuse it. Yeah. So that's huge, yep. especially when we talk about space travel, um, not just so when you think about commercial space travel, you kind of got two camps. Leisure, <laughs> because you think it's wicked cool and you want to go up and go into space. Uh, and then, yeah, Tyler. And then what I think is even cooler is uh the practical aspects to it of the of commercial flights where you're no longer taking an airplane you're going up into space earth is spinning you come back down into earth and you're on the other end of the world and you saved yourself a ton of time in flight time on a plane because you're now in a spacecraft instead 
So, yeah. you know, that could, it could really revolutionize travel in the future. If, if this is something where we just send people up and then bring them back down on another, another point in the, uh, on the globe. So, yep. Yeah. Really interesting to me. It marks a couple of things and we've been moving this way and Elon Musk has been a big name in this as well is it's starting to privatize some of the space exploration, right? So NASA has its own goals. It's funded by the government and the government's kind of giving direction of what those goals should look like. Uh, done unbelievable things. I don't want to downplay that. We put men on the moon. We put, uh, you know, rovers on Mars. We, we have done fantastic things. But when we start to add in the privatization of it, and there is a monetary goal for folks, these rich guys that are going up who see an opportunity here, all of a sudden these things start to move a little quicker and they start to benefit the general public a little bit more. We're the ones who can spend the money. They're the ones who want to collect it. If we can go up and do a space travel or get to China in three hours instead of spending most of the day to do it, that benefits us. And it starts to add some really new and exciting things to what's going on in the space race and, and what's happening up there. So I think as we start to make more and more of those steps, the more and more exciting it can be for us. And NASA is doing great things, but adding this in is only going to help NASA, right? So now, like you said, having a rocket that can go up and come back and, and be reused again. Huge, huge. Up to this point, NASA hasn't done that. Uh, it took a rich guy going to space to come up with that. And, and, and his engineers and, and all the people that are putting their time and their efforts into this. Right. The other big couple thing. things. That's the other big thing. You're actually creating an industry too. And with that industry comes jobs, you know, like high paying jobs. You, you want your top engineers creating that space rocket that's going to go up and come back down so it doesn't kill you. You know, you know you, that takes a lot, of, a lot of time, a lot of math, a lot of physics. Uh, you know, these, these hard areas of study that, you know, that generally pay pretty well because it's literally life or death. Um, and not just that, but you have supporting industries as well. Uh, you know, trucking to manufit to bring all the parts, uh, you know, the people that are actually building the rocket, you know, you need to buy the land. There's just, there's just so many things that add into the economy when you get a complex industry like this um and all the different in a, new, in a brand new industry right so this is this is truly the next frontier um it's something uh, brand uh, new tyler it's it's the final frontier <laughs> okay all the, all the all the trekkie fans out there uh what was that yeah yeah um yeah so i i think it is exciting i you know it it may seem like geez these billionaires are blowing money but i think that it is going to take us somewhere pretty cool um, and when we look back in 10, 15, 20 years at that first kind of space flight by these guys, um, I do think it's going to be that next step for us to kind of get into that. So yeah. exciting stuff. That's cool. That's a cool headline. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. All right. That's all, all we got for today, folks. But uh, definitely tune in for our next podcast. It's going to be with the whole team. We're going to be talking uh, travel tips and tricks for travel vacation kind of get everybody's everybody's take on it it's going to be nice and nice and wholesome so hopefully there's tricks on how do we can vacation to space i know right you got this nice little dome on the moon that you just go visit (laughs) it'd be pretty cool awesome all right take care see ya the foregoing content reflects the opinions of Penobscot Financial Advisors and is subject to change at any time without notice. Content provided herein is for informational purposes only and should not be used or construed as investment advice or a recommendation regarding the purchase or sale of any security. 
There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Thank you.